This message is brought to you by The Covenant Nation. Hi and welcome this morning to the teaching section of the service. Uh, we'll go straight into a confession. I want to start a series on uh, the subject of God's love. Uh, it's the most important subject in the Bible. And therefore, I believe should come out as probably the most powerful series we've ever done. All right, so let's take our confession this morning. One, two, go. As I said to listen to the word of God today, a door of utterance has been opened unto me, and I hear the voice of God clearly speaking to me. This is the way to go, walk ye in it. I listen under the influence of the Spirit of God, and I am not distracted by anything or anyone. The Word of God is food to my spirit. I am strengthened by it this morning. It is wine to my heart, creating joy within me. It is oil to my feet, causing my life to shine, giving me victory in everything that I do. As my eyes make contact with the scriptures used in this message, the Spirit of God opens new things to me. He also brings to my remembrance things Jesus once showed me. I come to understand God's system on the earth, and I receive instruction, encouragement, correction, and the enablement to live out God's will. Amen and amen. All right, welcome once again this morning, and let's get all right into it. The subject of God's love. And it is hinged on two things. One, that we'll understand very clearly that God actually loves us. Our Christian faith is founded on two major pillars. God's love for us and our demonstration of that same love towards other people. So love is the greatest of all virtues, and it is the characteristic virtue of the Christian faith. Our faith is solidly built upon two pillars. That's the love of God towards us, and in return, our own love for our fellow men. Uh, the way Jesus taught about the parable there of forgiveness, or in the parable of forgiveness, and he talked about the Lord of the servant who forgave him of all his debt, released him, his wife, his children, and all his property from the consequence of that debt. But then the gentleman went and held his own fellow servant who was indebted to him for a fraction, tiny fraction, of what he had been released from. And so that servant there, right, was turned over to the tormentors. In other words, what God is saying is, as I have done to you, do unto others. In the Old Testament, it was love your neighbor as yourself. In the New Testament, is love your neighbor as I have loved you. Love your neighbor as I have loved you. So understanding God's love for us and then extending the same love 
towards others is the secret of the Christian faith. Let me repeat. Understanding God's love towards you and you extending that love towards others is the secret of the Christian faith. You know, in this issue that we have been looking at about five loaves, you're taking what you have in your hands and God multiplies it once it's targeted at meeting the needs of the greater majority. It's important at this particular point that every single one of us starts with something, whatever it is, because he asks, what do you have in your hands? Whatever you can identify. And I principally have identified that God has given me a grace to teach. Therefore, I must, all right, plug that grace now consciously and intentionally to realizing two things. The areas in people's lives where they are experiencing pain, they get an understanding of how to deal with it. And then you have pain and potential, and then to also help people unlock the potential that is on the inside of them. We tie that back to the scriptures where it speaks about, in him I hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, insights into life. And so, plugging yourself into that, that what the product and service I am giving to humanity, or what God is doing through me, is to give to people practical insight into issues in life, using spiritual tools directly upon the circumstances of their lives to address areas of pain and also to release the unlocked potential that is on the inside of them. So I believe every single person should identify what it is. If it's your business, that becomes your point of contact. If it's your career, that becomes your point of contact. If it's a gift, whatever it is, all right, the selection of that thing is not deep. Whatever you can just see. When he went to meet the woman, he said, what do you have in your house? He said, well, 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 cruise of oil, well, that's fine. All right, she may have had some other thing, but he will use whatever you identify. So understanding God's love for us, one, and then extending that same love towards other people. Uh, God's unconditional love for us as a people here is demonstrated in Christ, which means he demonstrated that in Christ towards what? And he wants us to extend that same thing unto others. Let's look at first John chapter 4 and verse 19. It's all him. These are the scriptures here upon which the New Testament is hinged. We love him because he first loved us. So our love, now remember in the Old Testament it says, Thou shalt love the Lord your God with all thy might. But here it starts, and I want us to understand this, understanding God's love towards us. In other words, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. In the New Testament, it starts with understanding God's love for humanity. That's where it starts. And once you understand that and experience that within your heart, then you can extend the same thing onto others. So, we love him because he first loved us. Now, how do we love him? Okay, what is his love language? 
1 John 4, verse 10 and 11. If we go up to 1 John, verse 10 and verse 11. Herein is love, not that we loved God, you see it here again, but that he loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. Now, we've got to understand that. That it's not that you loved God, but that God loved you and sent his son to be a propitiation or a substitute for our sins. The next verse now tells us, Beloved, if God so loved us, now see what it says, we ought also to love one another. Next scripture. It says here, No man hath seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us. Now, it says in another scripture, if you can pull it up, if you cannot love man that you can see, how then do you say that you love God, all right, that you cannot see? In other words, God loved us so that we might love him, but he says, that love towards me, I want you to demonstrate that love for me, in your love for your fellow brethren. If a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he says, he is a liar. For he hath not, he that, hath, he that loveth not his brother, whom he hath seen, how can he love God, whom he hath not seen? So God loved us that we might love him. He says, but that love towards me will be demonstrated in your loving other people around. So it's like somebody says, I have done you a favor. I mean, let, let me put it this way. There's a very good example here. Uh, the former, I think he's the present Chief Justice of South Africa. All right, when he was saying this, I think he was being interviewed to become the Chief Justice of South Africa. And he gave a story here. He said um, when he had no money, he got admission into school to read law. I want to understand what God is saying to us. And that when he went, he had no money, so he walked up to some Indian merchant, all right, in the area where he lived, who he knew had large sums of money, and they were well-to-do fellow. And he asked the man, he said, please, will you borrow me money, and it's supposed for me to go to school, all right? And also he said something that I may be able to walk or do some things, and that, you know, uh, when I become a lawyer, I will pay you back, all right, everything within this period of time. And he showed him his admission. He saw he was a bright student, and he said, no problem. He said, you can go to school, and he talked about, I can't remember the story exactly, but him having to do some extra work also, you know, maybe to come and work there to be able to help his mother, you know, and he was the first um, child. So the Indian man said, you don't need to do that. What I will do is that your mother can always come and get a voucher from me. And once she gets that voucher, she can use that voucher, all right, to get anything she wants in the supermarket and get food and all of that. So they agreed on that. He said, and I will keep all the vouchers that I've given to her. She will, all right, verify those vouchers. And when you have finished and you start working, you pay me back. He said, oh, great. He finished to call, long story short, did his law school, came back to me, the man, and said, it's time for repayment. The man said, this is how you're going to repay me. I don't want the money back. But this gesture that I have shown unto you, please you go and show it to other South Africans here and help somebody else who is down the ladder. And when he was saying this, when he was going to become chief justice, he was in tears. He, 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 he broke down. And what God is saying is this, 
I have demonstrated love. You want to know how to give me back that love. Don't come and start singing to me that you are giving me back that love. What I want you to do is go and do likewise to other people. As I have forgiven you, all right, forgive other people. My love language, you are paying me back when you help somebody. That's why Jesus said, when I was thirsty, you gave me water. When I was hungry, you gave me food. They said, when did we do this? They said, when you did it to the least of my brethren, you did it back on to me. All right? So we understand that here. So God's unconditional love them, all right, is demonstrated towards us in Christ, and we extend that same love to all the people. The highest expression of our faith, hear this, the highest expression of what we call faith. Faith, which is the substance of things that you hope for. Your highest demonstration of that faith is to obey what love dictates, all right, to you in your heart, extending goodwill unto those and to people that have treated you or spoken wrong treated you wrongly or spoken negatively about you. God's love language, the highest level of obedience, all right, or the highest demonstration of your faith is your decision to extend goodwill. I'm going to show this here. Two people that either have treated you wrong or spoken wrongly about you, that they have actually hurt or even betrayed you. That is the highest expression of faith. The highest expression of faith, and I'll show this, it's not that you laid hands on the sick. It's not that you spoke to a mountain. All right? The highest expression of faith is in that act of obedience to God in responding in a certain way to people that may have treated you wrong. That's why we have in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 8 about Jesus. The Bible says he humbled himself. All right, being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death. And what's that death? The death of the cross. In other words, it's a type of death. The death of a cross doesn't mean the cessation of your life. The death on the cross there means something died on the inside of you, which was your will, your desire for something. You know, recently something happened to me. I went for midweek service in Abuja. I was coming back on, on Friday, and, and, and I, you know, always tell, well, uh, staff who checks me in or buys tickets and checks me in knows the seats that I like to be on. And so she does that, and she checks in, all right, and she even lives in Canada, so she does it from Canada. So she called me, love now, or send me a message, are, are you, should I check you in? I say, yeah, check me in, and all of that. So she got me the seat, and she knows I like the seat by the window. So I went to my window seat this time, and there was a gentleman there. And I looked at him, I said, greeted him, hi, how are you? And he said, fine. I said, that's my seat. And he said, no, this is my own seat. I said, this is my seat. 2F is the window. Let's check it. And he looked. But, you know, he, he, he was confused. He looked at it, and it looked like aisle and, and window. Now, his own was 2D, which was the aisle seat. But he said, no, it's window. Can't you see? And I looked at it, and I knew I could have called the air host and said, look, explain to him his window seat. And I asked myself, this man really wants to sit 
all right, at the window seat here. He really wants it. All right, you can give it up instead of going into strife. It's just a 50-minute flight. I know you really like it. Something died on the inside of me, all right, because I really don't like the aisle seats, but I sat down there and something died. And, and it's just a small window seat. Now, you can imagine what died in Abraham when he told Lot and said, take whichever one you want for the sake of peace. In other words, it's obedience unto that type of death where you are alive, but something inside you dies. Now, what was God's response to that? Verse 9, he says, therefore God, he says, verse 9, he says, God, in response to this, wherefore God hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every other name, that, he says this, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, all right, in heaven and on the earth and underneath. Why? Because of an act of obedience unto him where he died on the cross. The scripture tells us in 2 Corinthians, it says, we that live are always delivered unto that form of death that the life of Jesus Christ may be made manifest on the inner side of us. In other words, he said, I die daily. So he was still alive, but what he was talking about was that internal death there. Now, we sometimes present Christianity. Now, hear this here. Uh, and the way we present it is that Jesus was a gentle and a loving Jesus who came, all right, to pacify through his sacrifice a stern and an angry God. In other words, God was angry and mad at the world. And then Jesus stepped in to pacify through his sacrifice, all right, this angry and stern God who will have judged the whole of humanity. So the impression sometimes we create is that Jesus actually came to change God's attitude by his sacrifice. Please hear this. God's attitude towards man. I've said this. Christianity is built first on understanding God's love for you as a person. And then you now showing forth that same love towards others. So the impression is that Jesus came, all right, to change God's attitude towards man. No. It was God himself who sat down and in his compassion, the Bible says God so loved the world. God so loved the world that he sent Jesus to come and die. So he came from the love and the affection that God had for humanity there. So, because he understood that I will not be able to bless these people, I will not be able to demonstrate my mercy, I will not be able to protect these people because it will be illegal for me to do it. So, he had a plan through which it will become legal for him to show mercy, for him to show his true nature to humanity. And that became legal through Jesus coming in to die for our sins and to pay the price there and to die on the cross so that God will be able to, all right, extend his love and his mercy. Let me give an example. Let me put it this way here. If you have a student, let's say you're a teacher, 
All right, and you like this student, and you really love this student, and you want this student to do well, or your parent, you want your child to do well, all right, in school. You really want your child to do well in school. Now, the child brings, now listen to this, walk home. Can you now get up and say, because I want my child to do well in school I, and come out with top grades, I will now go to go and write the exam for the child. That's an illegal thing to do. So you want your child to do well. The child has to sit and write the exam and pass. So what you decide to do is that you will hire a teacher to coach the child and teach the child so that that child, or let's say it's the teacher who says, I understand I can't cheat and give this child, all right, the questions ahead of time. I can't do that. That would be illegal and unjust. But what I can do is to get a coach for this child, to teach the child, to give the child further knowledge, so that when the child presents herself or himself for the exam, they will be equipped to be able to pass that exam themselves. So God says, listen, it's my desire. That's where you've got to understand that everything was built on the Father's love for us. Here, he set out that redemptive plan there, and he says, go forth into the earth. And that has always been the heart of God. So Jesus just came to reveal to us what was always on the heart of the Father. I mean, we see this hidden in Ezekiel chapter 22, verse 29 to verse 30. Ezekiel 22 verse, yeah. it says, and the people have used oppression and exercised robbery. Just show God's attitude, that God's heart sometimes don't want manifest if he doesn't find somebody to intervene. And have vexed the poor and the needy, yet they've oppressed the stranger wrongfully. Verse 30, and I sought for a man among them that shall make up the hedge and shall stand in the gap. So God said, let me go and look for somebody. So it will make it just for me to show them mercy. He says, stand in the gap and I, that I should not destroy it. But I found none. And because there was no intercessor, there was nobody standing in the gap. The next verse says, his wrath was poured forth, all right? My indignation was poured upon them. So what we are, we've been saying is, people experiencing judgment, judgment, ah, God, 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 he's, you know, he's an angry God. But even before he did that, he would look for, I mean, we saw it in Abraham. He wanted to go there and judge Sodom and Gomorrah. He said, let me tell Abraham if he can make intercession. That shows us the heart of God. This is what Christianity is built on. So it isn't our attitude towards God that makes him love us. God is love himself, all right, and that is who he is. Romans chapter 5 and verse 8 tells us, Romans chapter 5 verse 8, but God commendeth his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So he commended that love in that while our own attitude towards him wasn't right, while we were yet sinners, Jesus Christ came. So it's an unconditional thing. That is who God is. Now, at this point in my notes, I was supposed to go into and, and, and connect this to the power of God's love towards us, but I just feel that let me just sit down here because of the way the message is going and just teach it this way. And, and if I go that way because of time, I won't be able to get into everything. So 
Let me just share it here about this love. And then next week we pick up on uh, describing in more explicit terms the Father's love for us because that's what is built on. Uh, if you think at the back of your mind that when something happens, oh, the Father has forsaken me, all right, then there's no basis that you are going to be uncertain throughout your entire life. Christianity is founded on knowing how much God loves you and that who shall be against you if God is for you, that if he spared not his own son, how won't with him freely give us all things? That is the foundation, all right, of our faith, right, in God. The love the Father has for you, all right, as a person. And then we extend that same love towards other people and your mate. Now, if you are in a situation and you want to experience a supernatural breakthrough in that situation, identify two things. All right? Number one, identify and know this, that God loves you. Don't ever question God's love for you as a person based on temporal evidence. That's what the Bible says. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy or God's compassion. Lamentations chapter 5 and 22, or is it 3 and 22? It says that, uh, 3.22, it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. Reason why we are still around. Situations won't consume us. It's because his compassion faileth not. So first thing is, and gratitude is how you acknowledge the love the Father has for you. So go up to him with the sacrifice of praise that is the fruit of your lips given thanks unto his name. Now, the second thing you've got to identify, who are the operators, human beings, in this particular situation I'm faced with? And I must demonstrate God's love to every single one of them. If you do that, that you praise him, and you identify the people, and you say, I will consciously demonstrate the love of God towards these people, you cannot be defeated by anything anybody throws your way. Let me repeat. Nothing on this earth can defeat you. If you operate in, you respond to the love God has for you. I'm not saying you're saying, God, I'm telling you, I love you. No, you respond that, God, you love me. I mean this, I acknowledge your love. And then I'll make sure I show that same love towards others. Now, let's just define what this love is that you show towards others. And this is quite enlightening. A second part of this message, we're going to get into this. Now, there are four Greek words for love. Now, usually I don't do this, but let me, or I just try to say the Greek words, all right, and then explain what they are. 
So there are four Greek words. And here's how you come to understand, because if we don't know, all right, when, when they wanted to use a word in the scriptures, you know, they, or, I mean, Jesus didn't speak in Greek, but, but uh, the, 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 the apostles were, were Jews. They spoke in Aramaic. So when they wanted to translate it into Greek before they translated it into, into English, they had to find a word that described what Jesus was saying or what the apostles were saying. So when they described, all right, certain things, love there, there were four distinct words that actually mean love in English. The first one in Greek is called eros, all right, and it's easy to know what that kind of love is. It's the love between sexes, okay? It's physical love. Uh, a brother doesn't fall in love, which means doesn't have that type of love to his sister. Somebody else comes in and has that type of love. Now, the second is called, I mean, the pronouncing group, but let's call it storge. It's S-T-O-R-G-E. It has to do with family affection. You know, that's different now. That's brother to sister. Or the love you have for your nation, where there's patriotism. Or the love you have for your team, all right? So you say, I love. Now, that kind of emotion that you have. Now, that's only God kind of love. But there's an emotion there where you say, I love my team, all right? Or I, I, I am, they have that affectionate stuff to my brother or my sister. But it's not the God type of love because... It, and once you don't know this, then the enemy can come in and record. That's why Cain killed Abel, even though he was in a family. All right? I'm sorry, but because it's not the God type of love. Now, it's an authentic type of love, but it's not, all right, the God, all right, kind of love. Then there's philia, all right, or filio. And what this means is to look at someone in affectionate regard. So you, it's like the type of love you can have where you just like somebody. And nothing wrong with that. You know, um, I, I went to preach somewhere and somebody came to sing and a music minister was there who was also a member of this church. And the minister there said, we invite, was saying this on the pulpit. She said, we invite people to come and minister to us here. And we love those people. She was talking about this, the fourth type, which is agape. But some of them we don't really, it's not that we like them, but we love them. But I want to say about this particular minister that not only do we love him, which is agape, which is the fourth one I'm going to say, all right, but we also feel you him, which is we like him. Now, it means to look at someone with affectionate regard is the love of friendship, or you have between friends, or even that which exists between a husband and a wife. So, you know, when people talk about, you know, marry your friend, you've got to have friend. That means what they're trying to say is that you don't just have you can't just, if it's just the physical attraction, which is what is called eros there, that it won't last long. That there has to be that friendly type of love, which is called filio among them. In other words, they should be able to relate in the house as friends there. Okay? Between husband and wife, it means to cherish a person. So when they wanted to translate, now get this, and I'm, I'm going to read this so I get the thoughts exact here, all right? This is from professors of Greek. When they wanted to translate to Greek, 
the word love in scripture, none of these words we describe here were suitable. Eros had to do with the lower side of love. Sturge had to do with family affection. It never had in it the width. That's that breath there. I'll explain that. That the conception of Christian love demands. Hear this. Filial dealt with warmth and affection for one that is near and dear. But Christianity needed a more inclusive word. The Christian love had width and it also had depth. It must extend beyond the nearest and dearest. In other words, this love had to go beyond that. Because all this love we are talking about, you can see, is love for nation, is husband and wife, is friends. It's within that caucus. Now, you had to take it because Christian love embraced everybody and directed the same kind of treatment. I'm going to explain this here. Towards everybody. Whether the person was family or whether the person was enemy. Let me repeat this. Whether that person was family or whether that person was enemy here, all right, the response of agape had to be the same towards them. It had to extend beyond your nearest and dearest, our kith and kin, our friends and those who love us. The Christian love must extend to the Christian fellowship, to your neighbor, to the enemy, and even to the world. Ordinary words for love here meant an expression of an emotion. Now, agape is not an expression of an emotion. We're going to say this here. The Christian love isn't that. Ordinary love expresses an experience within the soul that comes to it unsought. In other words, when you like your brother and brother love in the house and family, it's not something you sought for. It's not something you prayed for. You just found it there. When a man falls in love with a woman or a woman falls in love with a man, it's something that just rises up. They didn't will it. It wasn't a decision that they made. It was some just natural thing that came up inside their heart and emotion. So ordinary love expresses an, all right, it's an experience that comes to us unsought. In a way, inevitable. But agape, the God kind of love, has to do with the will. It is a principle by which we deliberately live. Agape has to do with the will. It is a conquest. It is an achievement there, overriding how we feel about what happened. Now, all these other ones have to do with feelings. Agape has to do with overriding feelings when certain things happen. So, if two people are married and they have that feeling and one says something that is nasty, says a wrong word to that person, and that person is hot, now what gets destroyed, all right, or tampered with is that feeling. It can start breaking the bonds of that. And it needs this agape love to conquer that particular feeling and extend that love still towards that other individual. So, it is in fact the power 
to love the unlovable. To love people whom we do not like. Christianity does not ask us to love our enemies and to love men at large the same way as we love our nearest and dearest. That is still there. That's what is called to be kindly affectionate. That is still there within the family. Christianity doesn't tell you to treat a member of this congregation the same way you treat your mother or even your blood brother. There is something among two of you that is, that's not what you are demanded of in agape love. We must understand what agape love is. All right? And those that are closest to us, that will be impossible and will be wrong. But it does demand that we shall have at all times a certain attitude of mind, a certain direction of the will towards all men, no matter who they are. And what is this attitude of mind or this direction of your will towards them? This is not... All right. This is actually that a person is that your disposition towards every single person is that you always seek their highest good. It is an unconquerable benevolence and invisible goodwill, which means invisible, meaning not, not transparent, but, all right, too powerful to be defeated or overcome. In other words, no matter what you do to me, I will always seek your highest good. Am I not like you? I might not be friends with you. That's a different word. That's not a copy. All right? I might not enjoy being in your company, as in, I, I don't gel with you. We don't have chemistry. No problem. But I will always seek your highest good. No matter what you do to me, my benevolence towards you will not stop. And no matter, all right, what you do, my goodwill for you cannot be conquered. In other words, this is a permanent attitude of mind that I have towards you and a disposition of my heart towards you that I will remain. You know, Samuel said, he said, he said, you can sin as long as you are. When, when Israel was in, he said, he told them, all, he said, but I will not sin by ceasing to pray for you. In other words, you can behave any way you want to behave towards me, but I will always have a benevolent spirit towards you. I will always seek your highest good, all right? And it says this, I, all right, will have goodwill in my heart. So it is a love that actually overcomes, all right? It is a love that overrides emotions to be able to stay steady and to extend goodwill towards people. Look more in detail here. But it's not, let's not confuse you. So I may not like you, oh, nothing wrong with that, but I will never speak a negative word about you. I will, may not like you, but if I'm somewhere and there's an opportunity that arises, 
and I know that you are qualified for that opportunity, I will not, because of what you did that didn't change my emotional state at a particular point in time, shut that door on you. I will pick it up and call you, and you will ask me, say, after what I said and how I hurt you, you still remembered me here. Yes, that's agape. Now, when you get in there, it doesn't mean that we have to go out and betray me and that, but you know that I will have your back. That is, it is a decision. In other words, Abraham, Lot went. He said, look, we are going to go there and save Lot. He and Lot were no longer together and they were never together. But Abraham had goodwill towards Lot. Because when Lot ran into trouble, Abraham showed up with his army. Goodwill towards that person. It didn't mean that they were charming. That's a different word. You never speak negative. We're going to look at it, what agape is. So it's something that overcomes. And it's agape that actually overcomes evil in this world. And when we're in a battle with evil, we overcome evil with love. You know, we talk about spiritual warfare. But real warfare. And I'll close with this. Look at Romans chapter 12, verse 18. Romans 12, verse 18. If it is possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy be hungry, feed him. Now, it's a bet, which means even though you become my enemy and all of that, that's why he causes rain to fall. That's agape on the unthankful and the evil. That's agape. That is his benevolent spirit. It has nothing to do with the respect of it. I seek your highest good. Now, sometimes in seeking your highest good, I can withdraw certain things from you because I believe that it is no longer helpful for you for me to behave in this certain way towards you because I will enable your bad behavior. So agape is intelligent and filled with wisdom. And it does that which it ought to do so that the potential that are inside people become forth. But it is that state, unchangeable state of benevolence, that unchangeable state within our hearts of goodwill. So you may even find people who are close, but they're in competition. In other words, they go somewhere and, um, and, um, and competition, go somewhere. And um, I mean, for example, yeah. I met somebody on a plane, and the person told me, he came to greet me and, um, and said, I really enjoy your teachings. Um, you know, when I'm, in, in Abuja, I'm in Abuja, and I enjoy your teachings on the flight. When I come from Midwest, I really enjoy your teaching. You bless me so much. Can you pray for me and all of that? You know, so I asked the person, which church do you go to? And the person told me the church. And I told the person, that's a very solid and very good church. Now, her conversation opened the door. For me to say, well, why you just come come to our church? We meet here, so and so, and all of that. All right? But I have an existing relationship with, even if I don't have an existing with the pastor of the church. And she was just talking. I said this, and I said, look, you extend goodwill. It doesn't mean me and this person chat. In fact, I don't think we have ever sat down and just gestate. No. But it's a disposition of your heart towards a person. 
Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this message. I ask by the power of your spirit, as you go deeper into this truth concerning love, this is the key to the supernatural. This is the message you brought to this world. This is that which you came to demonstrate to us. I ask that you grant revelation and you also open up the eyes of the heart of every single one of us that we step into this place. For you say we've passed from death to life where we love the brethren. Teach us, Lord. Show us your wisdom. Give us the strength to walk in this world. Jesus' name.